the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hour number three begins now. Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Thanks for being along for the ride. In the next segment, we will return to the telephones at 303-696-1971. Now we have Elon Musk officially on the hunt, or so he says, for a new CEO to take over his role as the top guy at the company that he's purchased. Now, he'd still own it. He says he'll be running the software and servers teams, but he won't run day in and day out operations over the whole company. And that's after a poll that he put out Just three days ago, December 18th, should I step down as head of Twitter? I will abide by the results of this poll. 57.5% said yes, 42.5% said no. And I have to be honest, I voted yes. And the reason why I voted yes is because I want Elon Musk's Twitter experiment to succeed. And I don't think he's the guy who can bring what's necessary to the table day in and day out. Good to have him owning the company. Good to have him setting the tone and saying these are the things we need to do as far as free speech. But is he the right guy to be CEO over the whole company? I don't really think so. But is this a surprise that he's stepping down from that role as CEO? What are we to make of it and where will the company go from here? To talk about it, let's dive into the conversation with Adam Weiss, who is the CEO of AMW Public Relations and is a political strategist, PR guru. Adam, good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Good to be with you. Yeah, happy holiday. Happy Hanukkah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time today to to join us. I mean, this is this is one of those stories that you really can't make up in the sense of, I mean, back in April, Elon Musk announces, I'm going to buy Twitter. Uh, I want to put in this offer. And then you have the whole rigmarole. He tries to get out of the deal, ends up being forced into it. Now he runs it. And just a few days ago, it's determined based on a poll that he's not going to be CEO anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think he took this. I was looking at it as a way, possibly a way to save face, and maybe go into a role as a on the board, chairman of the board, and get out of the day to day fighting uh, culture war battles. He seems like he's stepped right in foot of what Trump used to go through in these daily battles with journalists and the tech titans, and it's just it's very difficult if you've never been in it to just constantly you know people look at it and say he's fighting the war but you know while he's fighting this they're going after tesla they're going after his filings they're going after they're looking 
where his kids are. They're digging into his show. You don't see the back with these media, what these institution we call the media these days are doing. They're digging into every single slither of his personal life, looking for women he might have dated 40 years ago and he, he might have kissed on a cheek. So it's a tough battle to fight when they're trying to ruin his life and they're trying to ruin his businesses. They're trying to ruin his career. And he's been a visionary. He's been a leader. He's been created the greatest car, uh, electric car company in the world. And he's been loved in most of his life by the media and by, you know, what we call the institutions. And since he's decided to take on this battle for, for, for uh, you know, for freedom and for first amendment rights and, you know, free speech, man has the media's, created an onslaught against them. It's uh, has many echoes of Donald Trump, doesn't it? Somebody who was beloved by the media and the Hollywood establishment, the establishment in Washington, D.C., both sides, Republican and Democrat politicians were fans of Donald Trump and he donated to them and all of that. And then he becomes president of the United States. Well, he first becomes a Republican nominee and then becomes president of the United States. And then they turn on him in a way that we are now seeing of one of the richest men in the world, Elon Musk, particularly since he's now the owner of Twitter. Correct. It follows the same logic that somebody decides to take on the establishment becomes somewhat, I wouldn't say Elon's conservative. He believes in free speech. And we, and if you followed the news the last couple of years, you followed the account, you knew there was one side and they were denying it. And he just looked and every other day, a conservative been banned for jokes and memes and, and calling out, craziness from the left and the woke you're not allowed some call someone their wrong pronoun and you're thrown off twitter things that we would have looked at as insane to only 10 years ago Maybe not even 10 years, years ago, ago. <laughs> yeah not even five years ago you think is insane you're talking somebody who's a female you know yesterday and you actually call her a male by accident and you're thrown off twitter it's like and somebody's got their livelihood from that they're making their money they've got their ads they're following and they're just thrown off so and we did and now that he's instead of covering the media covering the files that are dropped we're on part seven or part eight now which is so disturbing that the fbi was colluding and paying millions of dollars to twitter they're covering elon musk is you know how dare he bans a journalist that's that's actually has a an account tracking his plane and tracking his kill whatever you know, and then when they're and then when the left and the media is called out on it, the hypocrisy that they show. Mm. What do you make, Adam Weiss, of the polls that Elon keeps doing? So, for example, he has the should I step down as head of Twitter? But he also put up a poll that said, should I allow these journalists who you were just referencing back on to Twitter? And he keeps asking. In fact, he asked a, a question and I was very pleased and intrigued to see this one. He asked a question just last night about uh, whether or not. Congress should pass the omnibus spending bill. We spent the last hour talking about this, and that's a decisive 72% no and 28% yes margin. So he's putting out these polls. What do you make of that, especially the ones that impact Twitter directly? I think they're great. They chose the voice of democracy if, you know, if he's cut down on the bots, but it seems like it seems like even the establishment Democrats and the echo chamber that they have on Twitter on that poll came to the right side who's in favor of massive big spending besides the people that live in washington right besides the lobbyists the government contractors 
the military industrial complex, not the American people, but and that's why we have a corrupt system because the military industrial complex wants us to keep going, right? You know, that's why they didn't like Trump. He wanted to get out of Afghanistan. They want to stay in Afghanistan because they want to build the tanks, build the airplanes, spend the money, keep the contracts going, you know, keep the jobs going in the military. And if even if it doesn't make sense, even if it hurts American lives, you know, they want to keep that yeah. military industrial complex going. Well, and that's the uniparty that that wants that, but although, not the people. Although, interestingly, though, of course, Joe Biden is the one who ends up getting us out of Afghanistan, but he does it in a way that is so botched that you cannot help but be aghast at the suffering of the the, the Afghan people who, I mean, they, they were put into this horrifying situation as a result of the way in which Biden did what we ultimately needed to do, which is to pull out of Afghanistan. Now, the interesting thing about these polls, though, and I find it interesting because, I mean, of course, there's no scientific methodology to it, so to speak, to the extent you can even say that polling is scientific and you've done political strategy, so you certainly understand the polling science. This is literally just putting up a poll and he gets seen as poll may be seen by say 130 million people but then you get like 20 million people who actually vote in that poll and he's just going based off of that so do you think that there there's real meaning behind the polls where he's putting it up and there's there's some genuine sense of what's going on as far as the people who were voting in the polls and and whether or not they're credible or I mean, how are we supposed to take those when you don't see the methodology there and it's just whoever responds in the time gets to decide what happens? What, is it, what does this sound like? It almost sounds like our election system in the country. Mm. There's no, the craziness that we have, mm-hmm. mail-in ballots, no signage here, just dropping boxes, right? So, But, you know, his methodology, I don't even know if you can go on there and if I vote once, can you vote twice or three times again? I guess it's just quickly putting a poll out. There's no scientific method to it. There's no legality to it. It's just a whim to get what quick what democracy is on Twitter really quick. So yeah. I don't think yeah, it's great not great standing on these polls, but is he gonna follow the poll where it says if you know, I'm gonna follow the poll that says if I lose I'm out. So that's yeah. a good question. Well yeah, I, I so on the one hand, um you can vote once in your account, but if you have a whole bunch of accounts or maybe you have bot accounts, then you can go ahead and cast multiple votes there. But what's really interesting when we look at this, Adam Weiss, again, CEO of AMW Public Relations, when we look at this instance of Musk stepping down as CEO of Twitter, I mean, I agree with you that a lot of it's from the pressure, but I think he had sort of a plan. To me, it's more likely than not that this was intentional on his part, that he kind of was anger, uh, uh, looking, angling, that's the word, angling to get out of the CEO position, put up the poll, ended up seeing that the votes were decisively yes, but he's been preparing for this. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's going to take it one day at a time and see how it goes and, you know, and see you know, if he can handle two roles, because he still is over at Tesla, right? So can you really, uh, and I don't know if anybody's prepared for the avalanche of criticism he was taking on a daily basis. I don't know. You know, I look at it from the media standpoint, and 
every single out of uh, in industry in the media, whether it was tech blogs, tech sites, they were going after him like nonstop every day. It was ridiculous the amount of articles. Mm. He decides to ban a guy who has a tracker tracking his private plane and his family. And then he gets criticized all over the web for it. It's just, it seems to make sense. If the left did that, they would say, how dare you have a plane tracking a public figure like that? They would defend the guy that banned it. But no, when it's him, we're going after you. Bans a couple of journalists that are digging hard. They were so CNN was so gleeful when they would ban all the people on the right, the Steve Bannon or Roger Stone or James O'Keefe. Not only were they gleeful, they were pushing the ban. CNN would have two, two or three media reporters that would call Twitter on a daily basis and say, why aren't you banning James? Why aren't you banning this one? Why aren't you banning that? Well, they, they would push that agenda. So they were gleeful. But when all of a sudden, when three or four journalists get suspended for a few days, oh, hyperventilating every article against Musk. So it's a lot of incoming fire that we don't see. We just see that, but mm -hmm. a lot of personal stuff they're looking into. What are your kids doing? What are you doing? What about the kid? So there's a lot to take there. Does he need that? Heat? Right. When he, when he has an empire, and he's got to watch out for shareholders. Sure. He's got to watch out for his oh. empire. He's got to watch out for the – especially on the Biden administration. I, we don't trust him for a second. He could sick the SEC on him. He could sick the Justice sure. Department. So, yeah. At the same time, though, isn't he kind of asking for it on the sense that he is going against the grain? He's bringing out the Twitter files to lend transparency. He's hitting hard against the left and throwing a lot of punches – so isn't it to be expected that those punches are going to be thrown right back at him because he did make a determination proactively and rightly so to push back, to you fight back? Think, but we're waiting for the day because, you know, it goes back two years ago. The New York Post ran this article. It was a Hunter Biden laptop. Right. The media just denied it. Usually the New York Post is a big, big paper, tabloid, news TV stations pick it up. Everybody ignored it. Now – He's actually shown internal files, communications, the truth, facts, everything, and the media still won't pick it up. So yeah. we're waiting for the day that they turn around and not as corrupt as they are yeah. these days, and it's still not happening. Even if you put facts in front of them, and it still whispers. They won't even cover these files being dropped. It's insanity. Adam Weiss, let's talk about some of the lessons that we can all maybe learn from this, given your background and experience in public relations as the founder and CEO of a significant company in AMW Public Relations. What lessons can we extrapolate from the experience that we're now seeing with Elon Musk over the past several months, but especially the past several weeks? If you if you decide one of the things, if you decide to get into politics and have a conservative thought, be ready to be attacked if you go online, if you go in the media space, if you if you want to fight the culture wars. But I do it in a kind way, do it in a gentle way, do it in a smile. Don't be, you know, one of the things that President Trump did and why he did make so many enemies, he was a really tough fighter and he was a very combative. And just, you know, it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. It loves a lot of independence the wrong way. And you can do the same messages in the same manner, the same principle, the same policies, but do it with a smile the best you can. Mm -hmm. So that's what Good I can, advice. you know, one of the great advices I can say, because Ronald Reagan won two landslides, incredible landslides, 50 states, 49 states, because he preached conservatism with a smile, and he didn't let any of the incoming fire get to him. And he, if he did fight back, it was with a smile and a joke. 
Trump was really, but, you know, to the benefit of Trump, he built up a movement of so many people that, you know, stand by his side because of what he, because he was such a fighter. Right. Now, I, I think there's a very important point to be made there about, uh, I like that, preaching conservatism with a smile. That's what Reagan did, and that's what we all need to do. So let me ask you one final you know, question. Quickly, oh, go ahead. Jen, we'll quickly, quickly on that. The battles are won in the middle. And mm. if we don't, if and a lot of our conservatives that won these primaries, exactly. they were mm. hard-edged conservatives, and I like them, and they have great principles. I wish they win, but you can't win just with hard-edged conservatives and there's too many people that aren't involved in politics the moderates the independents and if they see that hard edge and the media is going to show those hard edge candidates hard more and more and more and try to do mm. so the better we have people with smiles we're going to win more elections do you think that elon musk has somebody in mind adam weiss that he's ready to put into place as ceo because if if it is the case, as you and I believe, that Musk was planning for this, he was at some point or or thinking, taking it a day at a time, but sort of had in his mind, you know, I might need to make the switch to CEO. He even posts that question thinking it's a possibility. You would think, okay, if it was intentional on his part in that way, that he has somebody in mind and it shouldn't be too long. But if he doesn't make that appointment in a short order, then maybe that's an indication it wasn't expected that he was going to get a poll turn out to be all these yes votes and he thought it would be far more no. What do you think in that regard? Do you expect he'll get somebody put into that post pretty quickly? I think he has probably a, a decent list of people qual- really list, qualified yeah. that in his uh, in a circle, but they have to, you know, those people have to decide do they want to go into this role and you know, have a microscope under you for everything you do from your family to your past to your business practices. It's a tough thing. If you're going to continue that path that Elon's doing, you know, making it transparent, showing the corruption in the past, making it a place where it's, you know, nobody's going to be banned anymore, then he's going to take heat, you know, it's going to take heat from the government. It's going to take heat from the press. So that new CEO has got to be willing to do that. That's the real question. I'm sure Elon has a, growing number of you know colleagues that he knows that he can ask to step in final question before we let you go adam weiss and really appreciate your time this morning how big of a deal really is this over on twitter because if you think about it it isn't in even the top five social media platforms it's only like a quarter of americans i think that are on the platform yet in the media we tend to give twitter this outsized influence because well all the influencers are on there all the folks in the media in dc are on it yet not as many average americans so given that to what extent in your mind does this really matter it matters because the media shapes culture the Mm -hmm. media shapes policy a lot and the media shapes stories right obviously so a lot of times their story doesn't exist but if it starts trending on twitter it all of a sudden all the journalists they they, all the journalists pretty much mainstream media journalists big journalists they look they're on twitter good point look on twitter and they stay on twitter all day so if they see a if you and i break a story with and it's trending on twitter usually media picks it up and will write a story and then it might another's might write a story and then it amplifies so that's why it's important even if facebook's way bigger they don't have that facebook stories 
they don't have a trending section and mm. people are going to pick up stories from Facebook. So that's what makes Twitter so important and interesting that it amplifies. It goes from Twitter trending to the press, then to TV, then to other places. So it's the, you know, because it's such a ease of friendly, user friendly thing that they can, the media can directly you know, write to each other and, and see what's trending, and they find it's that's why it's taken the life of its own. Twitter. Mm, yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. Is if the influencers are on Twitter, especially those in the news media, they're going to be influenced by what's happening where the other influencers are. A very right. valid and important point to keep in mind. Adam Wise, CEO of AMWPR. Thanks so much for your time this morning and your Thanks. insights. Appreciate it. And happy Hanukkah to you. You too. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Once again, Adam Weiss, AMW Public Relations, joining us here on The George Brockler Show. Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George. Yeah, that's an important point, isn't it? The media is centered on Twitter. That's where they are getting a lot of their information. A lot of the narratives are set. And the folks on Twitter are sort of setting the tone as well for the discussion. So does that mean that Twitter really is a very important place and increasingly a political place? Notwithstanding what Billy and I were talking about in the first hour, that the majority of people who are on Twitter aren't there for politics, but so much of our politics is shaped there. What do you think? Are you on Twitter? If you're not on Twitter, do you still care about what's happening on Twitter? This platform, vis-a-vis Elon Musk and the Twitter files and more, 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. If you want to join in to the festivities, you can also text into the show on the 710KNUS app on your smartphone. We'll pick up the conversation on this, plus the southern border crisis and much more. Jimmy in for George, Denver's local talk leader, News Talk, 710KNUS. Gotta love Little Christmas with Clapton. Thanks, Billy, for plugging this one in from his album, Happy Xmas. A really great Christmas album, by the way. It is indeed Eric Clapton's own rendition of the classic Christmas tune, White Christmas. As we continue, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler, News Talk 710 K-N-U-S. Vice President Kamala Harris was on, I think this is a clip from NPR, where she basically said, we want social media platforms to play ball more with the federal government. Take a listen to this. So what I would say about any social media site is this. I would, I fully expect and would require that leaders in that sector, cooperate and work with us who are concerned about national security, concerned about upholding and protecting our democracy, to do everything in their power to ensure that there is not a, 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 a manipulation um, that is allowed um, or overlooked that is, is done with the intention of upending the security of our democracy and our nation. What does that mean, upending the security of our democracy and our nation? 
who gets to determine what does or doesn't do that? Notice those language choices, too. Fully expect and would require cooperate and work with us. And this certainly has echoes of Jen Psaki, the former White House press box who back in February of this year regarding COVID said this. Our hope is that all major tech platforms and all major news sources for that matter be responsible and be vigilant to ensure the American people have access to accurate information on something as significant as COVID-19. That certainly includes Spotify. So this disclaimer, it's a positive step, but we want every platform to continue doing more to call out mis- and disinformation while also uplifting accurate mm. information. It's a positive step, but there's more that can be done. Hmm. We want these platforms to do more to call out mis- and disinformation. We also want them to push up certain content. It's no wonder you get with an attitude like that something that we now know as the Twitter files, where via Matt Taibbi, Barry Weiss, Michael Schellenberger, and a couple of other reporters, journalists, we now see... The veil unlifted at Twitter. And we have seen more and more disturbing things about, to the extent they're engaged in the politics side of things over at Twitter, more and more of what they have done as far as skewing the political conversation. I have to say that I was quite stunned. Now, you can't draw a straight line necessarily. It's easy to do it. You want to do it. There's the temptation to draw a straight line and say, they were doing this, therefore it's directly tied to that. You know, I think that it's more likely than not that certain things are connected, but it's hard to just genuinely and completely draw a definitive straight line sometimes. But on Monday, the 19th, When Schellenberger went on Twitter and released Twitter files number, I think it was seven, there were some shocking elements to this, including a September 2020 tabletop exercise on a potential hack and dump operation relating to Hunter Biden and Burisma. Just weeks, this happened at the Aspen Institute, just weeks before... The Hunter Biden story was ready to go out by the New York Post. And it is obvious that they knew this story was coming regarding Hunter Biden at the FBI. And even we know from what Schellenberger reported that the FBI paid Twitter nearly three and a half million dollars of taxpayer dollars, your money, to ban accounts linked to conservative voices and target foreign influence operations. I mean, this this is was the most damning, in my view, the most damning of all the Twitter files. And I mean, it, it it shows a lot about the problems of government getting involved in free speech, getting involved in debate and discussion in a way that they couldn't otherwise do except for manipulating or paying off social media platforms because it would be unconstitutional flagrantly for the government to do it themselves. Well, isn't it unconstitutional under the First Amendment for the feds to do that themselves as well through, but through a company? 
At the very least, it's violating First Amendment principles, as California Democrat Ro Khanna, U.S. representative, said in an email to Twitter folks. Goodness gracious me. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. Let's go to Frank in Evergreen. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Good morning. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, too. What's on your mind? Well, um, first of all, we need to call people like the vice president what they are. We need to say they're communists and move on. See, I, I, I don't I wouldn't use that because I don't think that ideologically she actually checks all those boxes as far as the statist goal of controlling the means of production, etc. But whatever she is, communist or not, it ain't good. Let's just leave it there, Frank. Go on. I agree with what you just said. And the rabbi was awesome. Um, a quote from uh, Al Capone. Was, he was a PR uh, guy. Get, he was a PR guru, yeah, not a rabbi. You can get uh, you can get a lot more with uh a gun and a smile than you can with just a smile. And he's absolutely <laughs> right about that. Yeah. And and the Republicans are never going to start winning again until we start. And I, I use that term loosely, we, because I'm not a Republican anymore. But the uh, until they start calling BS on stuff like what Kamala, what the vice president just said. And um, it's just, it's just not going to happen because you know, I know you. I know you know the Constitution really well and all that. And that's that's great, but the average person, especially the kids, don't have a clue what the Constitution even is. Very so when true. You talk them about, when you talk about that to them, you lose the audience. Mm. So what you got to do is like what Reagan used to do. You know, when somebody said something stupid, like the Vice President just did, um, he would say, "Well, there you go again." <laughs> Not and, a bad know, impression, would, Frank. And he would, you know, and he would just shut them off. Mm-hmm. Think about the think about the Republicans, the, the the people who have run for president and become president since Reagan. Okay, we got Bush Senior who who was into kinder, gentler conservatives. Give me a break. You got he, he was a he was a bona fide war hero, and he comes up with that mumbo jumbo. We got um, you know uh, George W. Bush, Mister Compassionate Conservative. Yeah, exactly. Then we got, I'm trying to think of the guy from Utah. What's his name again? Oh, oh, oh if you're talking about the nominees, not just presidents, the people who yeah. were elected. So Mitt Romney exactly. in 2012 as the nominee. You had John yeah. McCain in 2008. 96, you know, Bob Dole. Oh, my God, Bob Dole. Even. I forgot about him. Um, so, yeah, but Romney, okay, he's got a binder full of women, and it, that took him down. Give yes. me a break. And, now, and you got McCain, who meets with during the financial meltdown that was caused by the Democrats, he meets with them before the election to try to resolve the issue. Give me a friggin' break. Um, you know, these are, these Republicans are just losers. They're downright losers. And until the Republicans belly up to the bar and start calling BS on stuff like what we just heard from the vice president, they're not going to win again. And it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I you mean, know, Elon Musk is an American hero. And we need about a billion more of him. Why would you? Why do you use that term? Because American hero is a very strong choice of words, Frank. It is, and um, I, well, and you know, you can convince me the hero isn't there, but he's. I equate, equate him to people like Henry Ford. You know, um, he he's an amazing individual. Um, he wasn't born here, so he can't be president, obviously, but. He's, you know, you can argue, well, he's all subsidized by government. 
give me a break. You know, it's he took the opportunity and ran with it. If it wasn't him, it would have been somebody else. You know, and the other thing is we're we're um, you know we, here we here we take the opportunity every time Twitter comes up, we take the opportunity to jump on his case and then take then then just you know feather in a few uh, negative comments about Trump in the process. Why aren't we Why aren't we talking about the head of uh, Amazon, the head of Facebook, the head of um, these other social media outfits? Who are these people? Are these are the ones that we need to be outing and saying, no, these are the guys that are screwing up our country. Yeah. And you know, but why do we just let the Democrats dictate the narrative and say, no, we got to we got to complain about? Trump and Twitter and Elon today, and that's what we're going to do. Mm. Well, so uh, a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, before we go to a break, Frank, and get your response to this. Um, number one, I think that when it comes to controlling the narrative, an example of where Republicans totally failed was on abortion in this last election cycle. They allowed the Democrats to run roughshod over Republicans all across the country and did not create the accurate narrative that the Democrats were extremists on abortion. Instead, it was Republicans who were extremists on abortion. Heck, they made Joe O'Day the most milquetoast kind of Republican that you could get in Colorado, and I enthusiastically supported Joe O'Day, but they made him out to be some sort of extremist on abortion, which was just absolutely ludicrous. So so that's just one thing I, I want to get out there and agreeing with you in terms of the narrative. But with regards to Elon Musk, and I think this principle needs to apply for, for President Trump as well, these individuals with very big personalities doing some very good things. Donald Trump did a heck of a lot of great things as president, should have gotten a Nobel Peace Prize for, uh, as I've said many times, over the Abraham Accords. Elon Musk doing a great thing with Tesla or with uh, uh, Twitter. But I think we need to be very careful, Frank about sort of not deifying, but putting these people on a pedestal when you do look at, like, Elon Musk had his Hyperloop uh, that never turned out. He's not a magician. He's doing some great things, but he does have a lot of things that he has failed this year, over 20 uh, recalls when it comes to Tesla vehicles and other issues. He's had uh, been, I think, tossed down on like two different occasions as CEO of his own company. So how do you think we should assess a guy like Elon Musk, given the flaws, in addition to the things that are good that he's doing like right now with Twitter? Well, I stand by my comment. He's an American hero. Henry Ford had a famous quote when, because um, he was always pushing the envelope, especially in the manufacturing area. And he uh, he had bought this new machine. It was a, it was a you know huge investment back then. Um, and the operator um, mishandled the machine somehow and caused it to crash. And uh, the, the, the foreman fired the operator. Henry Ford came in and said, you know what, where's the operator? I want to talk to him. Um, and the guy said he fired him. Fired him. Get his butt back here. I want to see what he did so we don't do it again. This is the way life works, mm. Jimmy. You you have successes. You have failures. You have good and bad. And True. You know, it's the the truth is we need more people like Elon Musk. The Dem the Republican Party does because the Democrats, as a whole, lie, cheat, steal, and kill babies. And I'm on board with the kill baby thing that you're against. I'm totally that's my number one issue. So they they didn't do jack on the on that. They should have. And the thing is, they're just they're just a bunch of uh, puff muffins because. 
you know, when you really challenge them, they just kind of evaporate. Okay. Right? They don't. They don't. They don't argue with you. About sure. It. No, I, I see and, what you mean. And, and right now, Elon Musk is somebody who's emblematic of of what you're talking about. I see, Frank. We got to run to a break, or uh, at some point, the computer is going to cut me off. Uh, thanks for the call. Really appreciated, Frank. Good call. Three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. We've got one more segment in this hour. Another hour up ahead, though, we'll talk about the immigration crisis at the southern border and the silence that is deafening by the Democrats. Jimmy and for George, Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. We just had Saturnalia, right? This is from Carlos Santana's Saturnalia album. Nice bumper. I haven't heard this one in a long time. Put your lights on. That's what we're trying to do. Put on the light of the right, folks. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Great to be with you. Another hour up ahead when we dive into immigration. And also, I'm going to talk a little bit about the difference between the school boards of Douglas County and Denver Public Schools. When it comes to something as simple as going to executive session for debate and discussion privately behind closed doors. What am I talking about? We'll dive into it a little bit in the next hour. In addition to the immigration topic, my column today for the for Colorado politics is entitled Dems Silence on Migrant Crisis is Deafening. All about the flow of illegal immigrants into our city and metro area of Denver. And look what's happening with hundreds of people flowing right into Denver. And there's not a care in the world from the Democrats. Hancock only said something about a declaration of of emergency of a state of emergency in Denver because he had no choice to. Meanwhile, Senator Hickenlooper, Senator Bennett, Congressman Crow, Congresswoman DeGette, Congressman Neguse, Governor Polis, Attorney General Weiser, they are all asleep at the wheel. No, they're not even asleep at the wheel. They're not even acting. They don't care to. They have no desire to address this. And the Biden administration can't even admit where it stands on whether or not Title 42 should actually remain in place. One of the reasons that I want to be very clear that to to folks that the border uh, is not open and and we will remove uh, using Title 8 is because by not being very clear on that, we are doing the work of the smugglers who are going to put forth misinformation. So we want to be very clear uh, on that piece. You're not very clear on open borders and no, the border is not actually open for you because you're not even clear on whether or not you support Title 40 or would like Title 42 to continue. We remained under a court order to lift Title 42. That is a court order. That is a court order that is telling us to lift Title 42, and we're going to comply because we follow the rule of law. But the administration that is, sought to lift that it. Is, but it is a court order. But that is, that, started by you guys. It was a court order that 
has been provided to us, and so now we have to comply, and that is we have to comply by December Blame it on the courts. 21st. It is, it is a law so that has been don't court. Court? Left What I'm saying court is that I, what I'm saying that it is a court order that has been presented to us that we are going to comply. The with. reporter wants to know if it's just a court order or if there's more to it. Is that all it is? Just a court order? Where do you stand on this Biden administration? Do you agree with what Biden said back in what? I think May? President, back on the border, uh, Title 42, a number of your Democratic friends are, are pressuring the White House to maintain that policy. Can you give us a straight answer whether you're going to, whether you're going to heed that request or you're going to get rid of it? I can give you a straight answer. We had proposed to eliminate that policy. Uh, by the end of May. The court has said we can't so far. And what the court says we're going to do, the court could come along and say we cannot do that. And that's it. So he's deferring the court ultimately in terms of judgment. But he was clear back in May of saying, uh, you know, we do think Title 42 should go away. And now we're dealing with an even worse border crisis than we were at the time. And now... That it's gotten even worse, the Biden administration won't even say where they fall on Title 42 and on the ability to more easily deport illegal immigrants coming through our southern border in literally record numbers. My goodness. We'll pick up the conversation on this. What are your thoughts? 303-696-1971. Lots more coming up. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. News Talk 710 KNUS. Hour number four is up ahead. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 